Trigger warning for this episode for themes of period typical homophobia, racism, and sexual assault. This episode deals with a lot of these heavy issues, and we wanted to do these themes justice, but we understand if these issues can be too much for you to listen to, so this is your warning at the top of the episode. Thank you. In 2016, a new era of our show premiered on CW. Featuring characters from The Flash and Arrow, it existed in the shadows quietly. However, it has since gained popularity and brought the three of us together to discuss the characters and their progression from season one. This week, which is worse, Harmony Falls or Riverdale? Everyone is strutting that runway in those outfits, and human experimentation is never okay. Definitely no calls heroes. We are the legends of next week. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the legends of next week. I'm your host, Mary. I use she, her pronouns. I'm Eden. I also use she, her pronouns. And I am Kate. I too. Oh, I three, you, she, her pronouns. So. So indeed. This week is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Because this week, we're talking about a little episode called Night of the Hawk. And yep, this episode this... is controversial. Yeah, this is our first episode after uh, finding out we were canceled. So, yay. Yep, so um, we're all... Working through that stage of mourning because as of currently, it is May 4th, 2022. Happy Star Wars Day, by the way. But um, as of the 29th, the 29th of April, we found out that they were not bringing Legends back for season eight. However, we are still hoping maybe there's a chance we can get a TV movie or something. So please, I'm going to plug this right now, even though weeks this is coming out in weeks later. Uh, hashtag save Legends of Tomorrow please. Absolutely. Um, we're, uh, we were as gutted by the news of the rest of you and our special mini sewed episode is out. If you want to listen to us and a few guests ramble about our love for this show and say our own little goodbye. And yeah, it, the show will be missed dearly. And we hope that maybe with our podcast, as we go episode by episode, uh, we can look forward to still watching an episode of legends a week for a while just to kind of ease the pain spark some joy if you will but uh this episode that we've just watched night of the hawk i don't i i for for me it did not spark joy this does not spark joy yeah i kind of want to throw it out with the rest of my stuff i have to agree but I, i know not everybody feels the same way all right, so yeah, Night of the Hawk. So, so for those of you who don't remember, this is the first this first season, episode eight. Um, we have just wrapped up Maroon, where we have seen Leonard Snart kill McRory, or so we it has led us to believe that. And we've received information from Captain Eve Baxter 
that Vandal Savage is currently living in Harmony Falls, Oregon in 1958. Now, while this sounds like easy mission stuff, it turns out not to be. And then we also have to remember, this is the 50s. If anybody remembers an old horror film called Night of the Comet, does it literally has the guy from Voyager who plays Chakotay in this. But it kind of like feels the same way because the comet falls and then you get zombies. But this comet right. causes another problem. Uh, we, we should also mention right at the top, this episode has a star director. This episode is directed by Joe Dante, who, if you don't know Joe Dante, you've seen Gremlins, Gremlins 2, uh, the original Piranha, The Howling, uh, a very good dark horror comedy called The Burbs with Tom Hanks in it. Uh, so John, Joe Dante's kind of shtick is uh, kind of more of a humorous, dark, sci-fi-y genre. Honestly, the directing was great. I mean, I it was a good horror vibe kind of thing. I, I enjoyed the directing. The directing was really good in this episode. Yeah, and the, and the movie, it, the movie, the episode itself, it's really, I remember the time when the promo came out, I still remember, oh my gosh, it was so long ago. I'm just, the fact I remember it still, it was kind of marketed almost as having that horror movie aesthetic going around when I saw the promo. And even in the episode, Jax mentions that, hey, I've seen movies, all the horror movies, like my mom, that it always starts out in this nice little idyllic town, and then something horrible happens. And all I could think of in watching that was, okay, Jax is definitely seen the Twilight Zone. Yeah, and I just want to say, like, just stuff at the top, um, this isn't a great episode, but I'm just going to say right off the top kind of two things. One uh, is that I have, this is one of the episodes I remember really well the first time I watched it. And it's one of those pieces of media that you remember fondly back when you're younger, and then you rewatch and you're like, oh... Oh, this had lots of problems. Uh, that's how I feel about this. But also, just at the top, uh, so you're all aware, this episode does deal with a lot of themes of racism, homophobia, other uh, issues that arise in the 50s. And just like, as a note, we've done a lot of research for this episode, but we are all three white American women. So if any, if there are any corrections that you want to send to us or any takes that you have about this episode, please let us know. Uh, we've really done our best to study and try and approach this episode with care and cover all aspects of it. But if any of that might upset you, um, just that's just our warning for the top of the episode. And if and you do have a comment, yeah. If you have comments, you can reach us at um, legendsofnextweek at gmail.com. We'll try to read it and like respectfully look at it from your point of view. Yeah, this is um, such a collaborative effort. So if you have any perspectives that you'd like to shed on this episode or any episodes coming up, uh, please let us know. Absolutely. We can all at least learn more. Mm -hmm. So now, as we begin this episode, we begin with Rock Around the Clock. We probably paid a lot of money for that. That's where... A lot of the money went. I always laugh because that's the most generic 50s song ever because like Happy Days used it like nonstop as their theme song. So this is the generic 50s song. 
We open with some good old fashioned drinking and driving. <laughs> yep, we are starting the episode. We see two cars, um, two guys in one, a guy and a gal in the other. And they decide to have a little bit of street light racing on the back roads. Unfortunately, that doesn't go so well. When one of the tire, when one of the cars, their tire blows, it skids off. It's the one with the girl in the car, and um, they end up down the road. And Mary actually has some interesting information about some of the people who star in this. If you want to talk about our first two guests in this episode. Yes. So the two young lovers in this car are Tommy, who uh, this actor was Agent Fox on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And we should all, uh, just as a note, Kate is our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stand, and she does not remember him, but it's important that he was there. I stopped, I stopped watching religiously around season three-ish. I'm sorry. I just, I'm sorry. I, took, I just couldn't get back into it, and I had life changes happening. But what she does know is that the girl, Betty, she is on Manifest. Is she the man? I've never been seen the show. Is she the hey, Manifest? There. She plays Michaela on Manifest. So if you're a Manifest fan, um, first of all, hello to you. I need to get back to watching that show. And yeah, so not the greatest episode, but if you want to see her, she's here and she looks really cute in a ponytail. Yeah, we were discussing that... Um, this episode, as you can hear from the top of our pitch, uh, we made a reference to Riverdale. Riverdale would come out this n- next year, because this is 2016 when Led to the Tomorrow was airing. I think Riverdale premiered either the fall of 2016, or I believe like the summer season. It was, it, was, it, was in the, it was in the spring season, I remember. Right. For 2017. It's and been on that long. Oh, it has. Unfortunately. Time just flies by, and I'm scared to acknowledge that show. But we're pretty sure that Madeline Petch, who plays Cheryl Blossom on Riverdale, uh, she had auditioned for roles in the Arrowverse, and I believe one of them might have been for Betty. So that's just a fun... Betty on Legends, not Riverdale Betty. This is going to get confusing. But to my knowledge, there is not a big glowy meteor on Riverdale yet. If if there is, let us know. We'll probably have it. We'll probably just have a mental breakdown, honestly. <laughs> but the, these two teens and then their friends who come to check up on them find this big glowy blue meteor. And they're like, huh, what is that? And then Vandal Savage comes out of the woods and is like, hey, kids, <laughs> you want to touch this rock? You want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> this is creepy this older guy that's probably old enough to be your dad is coming up to no. you and be like pet my pet rock right now pet my pet. <laughs> oh and if you're not gonna pet my pet rock why don't i forcibly <laughs> expose you to it but there's a little line at the beginning where vandal savage is like maybe it wasn't chance that brought you here maybe it was destiny Blah, theme song. They're sick. They're sick blah, for this blah, Destiny. Blah. Sick, I tell you. Yeah. Destiny sucks. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we, the legends have time jumped all the way back to 1958, and they are dealing with time travel side effects, which I think after season one, they have never talked about again. 
No, I don't remember them talking about it again. Wait, no. Um, Nate does uh, oh. few chunks. I remember. Cool. Something might have happened to Zari. I can't remember one hundred percent for sure, but around I think it was after the post Bebo era. We have not really delved into time travel side effects. Is is the this season where Ray's like I can't feel my dick? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's 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 coming up in three episodes. Oh, you know what I'm sad about? We never got to see Ava, Gary, or Bernard, like deal with space sickness or Gwen. I mean, it's like, oh man, I wanna I wanna know. Does aliens have space sickness? Just a question. Regard after their time, well, once well, as they deal with the lingering time sickness, um, Rip lays it out that hey, we're in town because there's a mass string of murders going around. They're suspicious of Savage, although Jax makes a comment about Mick. Okay, Jax being pissed off ultimately that Leonard most likely killed Mick, which I get because. Again, they bonded after the whole let's go back in the past and like change Leonard's past. And uh, I get him like kind of feeling like Mick was an older brother. But on, on the other hand, I'm kind of like weren't they telling him the, them the episode before that Mick is dangerous and he has to get rid of him? Everyone, like we talk about how Mick is the most inconsistently written character for at least the first two seasons. Three seasons. Mick is just consistently weirdly written. Yeah, um, it's there's, so there's, there's 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 a there's character evolution, and then there's just inconsistent change. Yeah, and I feel like the same applies to people's attitudes towards Mick, because sometimes they're like, "Ah, oh, Mick, you're our best friend," and then it's like, and sometimes it's more like we could leave Mick behind. It's just odd because I remember them having the conversation of. He's dangerous. We have to do something about him. They're like, Jax is like, well, you shouldn't have killed him. Yeah, I think Jax is just more horrified that he knows that Len and Mick are partners because he went on that trip with them to Central City. And so the idea that Len could kill his life partner, essentially. And then just come back like everything's fine is I think that's what's setting him off more than anything else. And we just didn't get to see Leonard break down enough. Mm-hmm. We didn't see Len break down, but Wentworth Miller in this episode, he doesn't do a lot in this episode, which is kind of as much as we're snarts, we're snips here. It's refreshing that we're away from snart and we can focus on the other characters a little bit. But Wentworth Miller's acting in this, he he's so closed off. He's always sitting alone with like his arms around mm-hmm. himself. I, guess I, I love, yeah, I love how Wentworth Miller can not say a word and still say a whole bunch just by his body language. It's it's just fantastic. But yeah, um, so as that's all going on, Rip is very much oblivious to it. He's which again reinforces that he kind of doesn't really care about Mick, that Mick was just despair. He doesn't care. He's not really spending a whole lot of time dwelling over it. And instead launches into their plan to figure out, because they know Savage is there, 
And they're suspicious that he's behind the killings, but they don't know if he for sure is the killer. Because as they compare it, this guy's more akin to having coffee with Hitler. Later on, they'll use Pear Decaton. He We talked about Stalin earlier in the White Knights, but there is a comic run where Vandal Savage is a small town serial killer. Um, it's where we meet one of his kids, um, Cassidy Savage. I love you. Uh, not Cassie oh, yeah. Savage, two differences. But there is um, a comic run where Vandal Savage is a serial killer. I have to appreciate as the resident Jew that we never, 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 never got to see Hitler on Legends of Tomorrow. Thank you, yes. writers, for yes. this. I appreciate it 10 times over because I just think that would have been a line you should not cross ever. Absolutely. 100% agreed. They just mentioned that, but then they decide, okay, so Rip pulls out what they did, the Pentagon. They're going to go undercover in the town, and they're going to start by um, assuming they're going to go to the places where the scene of the crimes took place. So for the piano teacher who got murked in her house, you have Rian Kendra deciding that, hey, we're going to move into this brand new, this house that just had its previous occupant died. That's not a red flag at all to any realtor, I'd say. That's not suspicious. And of course, this is just after they've kissed. So I don't know if it was Ray and Kendra's idea or if it was Rip's idea to try and play Mr. Lovebird here. But um, yeah, that ha- that happens. And this is our first instance where we kind of see true colors and true thing and what really is going on with some of the people in this town in regards to their mindsets. I'm laughing as um, Rip the matchmaker because that seems the last person who should be doing it at all. Uh, I'll go over the town of the nice little realtor lady who um, was not pleasant, let's just say. She's like, I have another part of another town I can show you. Well, first she says, oh, well, there's a room above the garage for the maid. And Kendra says, well, we don't need a maid my husband and i are fine she goes oh and this she gets that look yeah she really does like oh kendra later tells her like don't worry i like my town's backward i'm sierra Sierra renee i know we say this every episode we're so sorry i'm especially sorry in this episode i can't speak for the writer's room but um and i understand there's Okay. I know I get scarce, but just God, that line. Interestingly enough, I just looked this up because I was just curious. It said in 1960, interracial marriage was forbidden by law in 31 states of the U.S. It did not become legal until 1967. Yeah, Loving versus Virginia. Yes. It's also the fact that later in this episode, Ray, it's either Ray or Kendra that says it. And either one, it's stupid to have them say this is, I guess I didn't think this interracial relationship would cause such a stir. The, the, we're going to keep bringing this up. This episode is one of the first, I think one of the first time Legends tries to say time travel, if you're not a, we'll say this, uh, which literally gets said later, if you're not a white straight man, sucks. But it's clumsily done. Yep. I would, yep. Um, if any of here are veterans of, the Timeless fandom, you will very well remember Rufus Carlin, who has many times stated and was many times shown over the course of the show 
how ter- that because he because he was a black man, it was horrible for him in history, really, no matter where he went. And that was exemplified in several episodes in the show. And it was and it was definitely in the first season they made a it was definitely made to be a big point. And he which is the character was so openly against originally going on time travel. He's like, hey, it is not safe for me to be going to some of these places. That is actually one of my favorite things about Timeless is they never like kind of like, oh, time is fine. It was like, no, it's always kind of dangerous for somebody like Rufus to be traveling through time. And I appreciate that about Timeless. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, Legends acknowledges it, which is one step. But unlike in later seasons, when they approach these issues more head on. Okay, I was just curious of when uh, interracial marriage was uh, legal in Oregon, and that was 1951. So we had seven years of it, but it was probably not that common in Harmony Falls, obviously. This is a very small town. This is a very end yeah, I it gives the time it gives me um very similar vibes of some other towns that I've driven through or have been in. Mm-hmm. And just like, okay, there is there is one kind of person here. And speaking, and at least in those, I can't speak for all communities, but in some of those communities, they have not been great places to be in, regardless if you are not fitting in the norm. Yeah, we'll get we're gonna talk about Jax now and just how Jax gets introduced. He kind of takes on the Marty McFly role, which um but this is important to note for the rest of this episode. We, we need you all to know this. There are no other people of color in this episode except Jax and Kendra. Even in this backwards, terrible town, there are maybe a few extras that are people of color. But you never see our main characters of color interact with anybody else. Yeah, and even when um, he goes into the diner to meet Betty, she kind of like scoots away. And we have to remember this is 1958. So it's like three years after the Alabama bus boycott. And right before uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech of I Have a Dream. So yeah. A lot of civil rights movement issues here. I was going to say, oh, I was going to keep going on Jax. Um, well, Jax kind of comes on, Rip says, well, Jax, you know, you're of, you're a child, Jax. So we're going to send you in. He's, tw- he's 20. <laughs> Rip is like, I mean, yes, I know, he- he's the youngest, but still he's 20. But, um, so he says, um, Jax is going to talk to Betty at the diner, uh, sits next to her. And it's good that you point out that she does kind of like look away and she's nervous. And, and people start talking racist. around them. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh my I, gosh, did you see that? Because we know yeah, in the South, it was more prevalent where you had, you know, segregation. I don't. I, I should look into Oregon, but like, so I'm sure the attitude was like in different states with that too. So they're probably like, what is he doing here? I find that um, with most media that I've consumed, 
whenever they show segregation taking place, it normally is occurring in the South. They've never really shown the attitudes of people up North, and especially if they're, because the North is often so glorified. Really, I mean, no, we're not, no, it's not great. No, it's not, it wasn't the same. There were, there was some more tolerance, but I, but really, but attitudes can carry across. It's all about how your family values are passed down. And this is the impressions that these youths have gained from their, from their elders in the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just wanted to mention that it's usually just put upon that the South was the center. Sometimes in a lot of U.S. history, we're taught that the South was the racist part and everywhere else was cool and fine, which is absolutely not the case. Uh, for the first school segregations were in the North, uh, which the ramifications of those are still being felt in school districts today, especially in New York. And Don't trust history well. textbooks. It is yes. 100% true because if you go into the city, there is certain parts that you know, you're totally 100% right about that. Yeah. So it's just important to keep in mind that, I mean, it sounds terrible, but it's the truth is that racism was prevalent across the entire country and still is, uh, still very much is. And it's never relocated to just one place. It's now the, the problem still is ongoing. Absolutely. Now we will return to this racism aspect later, sadly. However, now we have to go to where Sarah and Stein are going. Um, What is this asylum that they're at? Did anyone write their name down? I didn't get the name, but um, the doctor got the doctor there. So they do say, oh, it's an insane asylum. And I'm like, okay, great. And okay. even the main characters don't seem to be disputing that in any way at all and calling it anything different. So I'm kind of just, I was very at that part. And and even and just that's how they referred to it, an insane asylum. They didn't really seem to give a crap about any other potential mental health that was going on there because again, this was the 50s. Apparently the legends were just kind of going to roll with that. And yeah, so there's the casual ableism. There's casual sexism where Stein comes in and introduces his nurse and that other doctor is gross to her. Oh, Um, yeah, that was bad. I felt so sick. Yeah. Stein, not that this is interesting. That's not the right. I sound like Martin. Astonishing. But it's... (laughs) Stein in this episode says, well, isn't this lovely and idyllic? When two episodes ago, Martin is the one saying, I guess he is doing the rah-rah-rah American thing. It's like, but in America, you can love who you love. It's like, not in the 50s, buddy. And we're not even talking gay marriage. We're talking interracial marriage. Anything. Um, So again, this is one of the only times that it's pointed out. um, At least in this episode is when we get Martin's saying, it was a great time to be alive. And Jax goes, yeah, if you're white. And Sarah goes, yes, and, and a man, and straight. Um, I just looked at uh, our first wiki. There's no name for this insane asylum, apparently. So I can't find one. It's the CW, quote unquote, asylum. They use it for everything. Yeah. But two little tidbits so we can get moving to our next plot point. First of all, 
as we walk through this asylum, we first see, oh, this is Hall H. It's for Dr. Knox's patients, first of all. Does anyone know of a Hall H in a quote-unquote real world? I, I haven't. Like a, just like, a, like, is, that a comic, is that some Comic-Con shit or something? That oh. is the hall at Comic-Con where they dropped. It's like the most important room at uh, SDCC. So that that's a nice fun tidbit. There's a lot of good references in this episode. There are. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, Lem makes a mention of Nurse Ratchet, which is from when flew over the cuckoo's nest. So that's fun. And we see, oh, this is for Dr. Curtis Knox's patients. And they look on the wall. It's a picture of Vandal Savage. Now, fun fact, Dr. Um, Curtis Knox is the alias for Vandal Savage in Smallville. Ooh. When, he was, when he was played Lovely. by D, when he was played by Dean Kane. Oh no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh no. Oh no. Are you, no, are no. you kidding me? I'm sorry. You've known me. We've Kids. known each other for sorry. how long and you no. never told me this? Wait, wait. This kind of fits though. Enraged. It, it fits. I'm sorry. It fits considering who DK does is and who how he acts a lot of the time. It fits. You never told me this? I forgot until I looked it up. I this knew is my, this is my I could have been turbo moment. <laughs> um, so there's that. I, when, as soon as we see this picture, Kendra goes to open the door at their new house. And this woman is there. She says, hi, I'm Gail Knox. And this oh, is my... <gasps> I just found the name of the psychiatric place. <laughs> oh, what's the name of it's What's Harmony Falls Psychiatric Facility. Like, it was really that Why interesting. calling it an insane asylum? Casual ab- ableism. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's right. the Arrowverse. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, hello. Welcome to the neighborhood. I'm Gail Knox, and this is my husband, Curtis. And listen, Vandal Savage comes out with this stupid little Tupperware. And listen, I'm going to say this on the podcast. And you're all going to turn this off right now. He's so hot. He's so hot in this episode. I'm so sorry. Okay, I am curious about the wife because we did mention before that the piano teacher died. And does his wife know that A, her husband's a murderer? B, does she know absolutely that the man she marries is actually Vandal and not Curtis? I have questions. This is the only time we end up seeing the wife in the entire episode. That's the thing. So I'm wondering, it's like, did he just like hypnotize a random lady to say, oh, I'm his wife? Or did he marry someone? Is she one of his cult followers? I'm going to go down a rabbit hole, so stop now. (laughs) I was hoping she was going to turn into a bird monster, but she doesn't. That would have been cool. I kind of hope she was like knowing he was vandal and like was murdering with him. Like they could have been like the Yeah, right. That would have been interesting. But yes, so Vandal Savage shows up at the door. 
<laughs> and uh, he's got his little casserole dish. He's like, I made you tuna surprise. And maybe it's a stupid line, but when when Ray comes to the door and is like, oh, who is at the door? He goes, oh. I love tuna surprise. Oh my God. He's like, oh, many surprises. <laughs> My laugh about this, this whole thing is like when they go back to the wave runner and like, oh, Vandal doesn't know. I know. I'm like, he has to be suspicious. Ray really was so bad at doing this. He was terrible. He know that we know that he doesn't know. But then that's a stupid thing for them to say anyway, because so they they invite them to their little night soiree. Or whatever, and he's immediately being a creep. It's like, hey, do you believe in past oh, lives? Oh God, he's so creepy. No, listen, um, Vandal Savage is a despicable, disgusting, horrific, ass hat jackal slime ball of a man. Casper Crump is very hot. There it is. You're, you're not wrong. Put me on blast. You're he doesn't not- have that bad wig in this episode, and I think that really helps. It- it does help they said that like That's Casper nice was theater. lovely behind scenes. They said Casper's like the funniest person behind the scenes. So it that does help. If you've watched the season one gag reel, this is the episode where later on when um Savage is running down like marching down the psychiatric facility hallway to throw the door open to his bird monsters. And in the blooper reel, he tries to open the door and it doesn't open. So he just doesn't break character and storms to the next door. Oh no. <laughs> um, where are we? Oh, um, as we mentioned at, up top, everyone looks real good in this episode. It's not just Vandal Savage. Yeah, no, Kendra looks fantastic oh in this God. episode. If that's just a look for her she just looks so good yeah um so yeah um everyone's 50s outfits they look really good they look really nice uh sadly cannot distract from some of the crap that goes on in the episode but um aesthetically whoever was on costume design for this episode uh i don't know if you're listening right now but you nailed this yeah, you did. have nailed this thank you um i if do you know where I can get that yellow sweater that Kendra was wearing by any chance? Yeah, like, like we said, we're having our fun now with our favorite parts. Uh, as we've mentioned, there's some pretty severe issues. Yeah. So like our last, like to round out what everybody's doing on their little leverage trip, we get the other best outfits of the episode. Snart and Rip roll in to the sheriff's department in their FBI G-Man outfits. I love, 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 love Arthur Darvell's like American accent in this. It is fantastic. <laughs> like, I wish he would have been on this series when um, Matt was because we remember his American <laughs> accent and it would have been fantastic. Every day I'm sad Rip and John didn't get to interact. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I, I do love like them looking like little G-men and going up to the sheriff like, we're the FBI. He's like, why are you doing here? We're here to investigate some serial killers in this little town of yours. Which, um, okay, again, this is me being a nerd. Stein rolls in to be like the fake doctor at the facility. 
he basically says oh yes i've done work on serial murder and such and such the term serial killer wasn't coined until the 70s i'm not surprised you know this but so while rip and snart are on this little side quest oh it's rip says we actually do make good partners mr snart and snart says you're not my partner there's only one person that i believed in that could be them yeah, um, in that moment there, what I was watching, I could, I want to pick it was wow. Um, Leonard definitely has had some trust issues. Like we know Leonard has trust issues. I feel like that's a very big part of who he has been because he's used to um, so settling the score. Um, we've seen that um, he doesn't tell a whole lot of people about himself. He's very reserved. He's He's not one for to get really personal unless he really trusts someone a lot. And Mick has essentially broken his trust and he's kind of almost curled in on himself mm-hmm. in a way I feel. And we see that kind of in this episode. He's kind of, and yes, and so this is his taking a step back because yes, he, he knows who he is, but the the abandonment of Nick has essentially broken a part of his identity. I feel like with Sarah, when we were having that scene in the, when they were dying in the airlock, he was letting some of his wall down. And now that wall is right back mm-hmm. up where it was. Hell yeah. So yeah, he's in a vulnerable spot right now. Speaking of walls going up and down. I don't know if that's a segue. Sarah as a pretty very this is one of sarah's most famous side plots in the series i think is that while sarah is working at the facility there's a nurse there named Lindsay carlisle and sarah clocks this woman first of all she goes and pulls out a drawer to um the guy who's being gross to her uh and so Lindsay says, oh, thanks. Like some of the other nurses put up with it because they're looking to get married. And Sarah says, oh, um, are you looking to get married? And Lindsay says, I'm not really the husband kind. Which oh, wait, no. is funny enough is the line that Ava gives her during, yeah, before God of War is literally, I'm not the husband. It's great. Oh, I think I misspoke. Ava's line is, I'm not really the husband. Lindsay says, I'm not looking for a husband. Which is, yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, the juxtaposition, though, is so interesting. And Sarah immediately clocks that shit as, oh, I know what's going on here. And we don't even acknowledge the potential, not just side note, we don't even acknowledge the potentiality of asexuality here. Nope. 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 She asks her right away. Have you had? Like, I think she asked her right away. Have you had a girlfriend or something like that? I think that's what she asked. Yeah, a little later on when Sarah's looking for files and they're having like a little drink over stolen booze. I don't remember who mentions it first, but Lindsay says, "I've." She says, "I kissed a girl once, but I didn't know that. I didn't think that made me a." And then Sarah fills it in with a lesbian. It's not a bad word. Yeah, when Sarah says that they're that lesbian, it's not a bad word. It's interesting because for Sarah, this is not, for Sarah, who is a woman who's very comfortable 
in her sexuality and who she is. To her, it's not a bad word. She is in the future, but in 1950, um, it wasn't really a word that I feel people were comfortable with. I mean, I mean, there were Boston marriages where two women would be together and it could have been friends or it could have been lovers. Nobody really knows. But like, yeah, there was like kind of a super secret kind of thing about it. But no, it wasn't really said that much in society. Yeah, definitely. You're still um, exactly what Eden said. But also, and again, I'm so sorry to bring Ryan Murphy into this. I don't. Oh, God. No. But if we're thinking, I it reminds me of American Horror Story Asylum, where the main oh, character no. Lana, yeah, um, is a lesbian. That's the '60s, right? That takes place mm-hmm. in the '60s. Yep, this is I think so. '60s. Oh, this is God. when um, this is the being gay is still. This is when identifying as gay or lesbian was in a list of mental disorders. Yes, this is a and, scary time, and also. I feel like she feels that extra concern because she is working in a psychiatric hospital mm-hmm. and it may, it begs the questions like, has she seen someone sent here because they are attracted to women or, if, or well, if it's, if it's a lady attracted to another lady, um, a guy attracted to another guy, or even if someone is transgender, has she seen something like this? And that's become a fear response. And then Stein does kind of mention, like, look, this is 1958. This, I mean, Stein's kind of sort of right here where he's like, you shouldn't be, like, she could vent. I feel like he thought she could get into potential trouble if somebody overhears them. And Sarah was being a bit forward for this time where this woman, yes, she was a lesbian, but again, it was a mental illness, according to psychiatry back then. We all know it's not. But back then, it was a really dangerous thing to say. Exactly. And everyone has, and not everyone, is going to have the same comfortability as Sarah does in how open they are about their sexuality and how secure they are in their identity. Like when Stein says that, I know that's one of Sarah's famous lines. It's like, I wasn't something. I was liberating her. Which remember mm-hmm. as fond Sarah Lance seducing her way through history. And I, I do want to take this time to mention that I know Sarah as a character has meant a lot to a lot of people. It did to me, like, especially like at this time as a proud out bisexual woman. And I think that part that's part of the reason I remember this episode so well is being, you know, questioning myself in uh, early college. Again, that doesn't negate the issues that we have here, but I know people's thoughts of this episode usually come back to this um, nurse subplot, especially when Sarah asks her, like, what do you dream about? And Lindsay kisses her, and Sarah's the one that freaks instead of Lindsay. Honestly, again, besides the whole 1958 thing and the, you know, the danger you might be, it's actually a nice storyline to see on TV. Because you have somebody admitting that. And and it's, I love that Sarah always is getting annoyed with Stein anyway, because he's already on her nerves and she has already said, I'm going to kill you several times to him. But I, I think at that point, she's kind of like, you know what? Not everybody wants to live in a closet. And I, I do appreciate that about her. 
I think there's also that element of Stein saying you're kind of pushing this woman. Like, I don't think he means it in a way that he doesn't like Sarah, doesn't trust her. I think he's worried kind of about both of them. Because like, for instance, like when Sarah kisses her, or when they kiss and then she leaves and Stein's like, I told you not to just go and like spring yourself on her because she might flip out. And Sarah says, no, I am the one that freaked out mm-hmm. because she explains when she was dead and now she's been brought back and like kissing Lindsay is one of the first times she's really felt something in a long time. And this goes to my favorite scene where she goes, I wish I could have gone back and told somebody like, this is going to be okay. And we see this, that she actually does a season later in a sane asylum with Gwyn, which is, I don't know if they remembered this at all because it's oh, the writers. Oh, a good parallel. But it is a good parallel because she tells Gwyn the same exact, what she wished she could have told herself in that episode. Yeah, when she says, like, I wish someone would just drop into my life and tell me the future is better. Mm-hmm. And I think that line, it's kind of buried in this episode and it's not well remembered, but I think is kind of the core of what Legends is. Like, distilled. I think that's one of the main theme of Legends is the idea that the future will never be perfect, but we should always be striving towards a better future. Having said that... Uh, this episode doesn't do a good job of that. <laughs> Interesting that we're watching this episode um, currently right now in the world, but... Huh. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I, it's so, so many things right now in this um, country that you kind of wonder where things are going, and it's a hard place. And honestly, I feel like it's sort of like this era right now where it's kind of worrisome where you're like, can I be comfortable in coming out of who I am? Or am I going to get hurt because of it? There's so many questions. Mm-hmm. And I hope that, like, it doesn't get to that point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, I just want to say on this note, um, if you are questioning, if you're securing your identity, whoever you are, um, there is no timeline to come out of the closet. You come out whenever you're ready. It's okay. We're there for you. And you don't have to tell any. You don't have to tell. You don't have to tell the whole world. You can just tell a few people who you trust. And we love you but no matter what. Exactly. That was very gay of all of us. Yeah. Fair. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know which. Do we want to talk about? There's kind of two directions this goes. Do we want to talk about the? Let's talk about the Ray Kendra Savage thing first. Yeah, let's. We're gonna get so, into some more. I, I'm so excited about this. I can't tell you because that's <laughs> that scene is just me. Which scene? Because there's so many scenes that give it, me the chills. Honestly, okay. When she, he goes up to her and she kind of is flirting with her because I know this was her idea, and I'm glad she stepped up for herself and said, "I can do this. I could. I can get whatever we need." And I appreciate about this, but yeah, it, it's sexual harassment. And I'll go into how I can relate to this later, I guess. But yeah, I can relate. Yeah, because when they're in the soiree, which again, there's the slight, I think it's just, 
once again, so there's like a party guest that comes up to Kendra and says, yeah, I'd like some more champagne. And Kendra says, yeah, get a waitress. Which, I mean, it's nice that she says that. But again, the characters mentioning racism, and I'm going to talk more about this with Jax when we get to Jax's plotline. But they're acknowledging there is racism without having any other characters of color of that time to either relate to or to speak to or just to get other perspectives it's a mess but they're at this party ray just leaves to do some surveillance and kendra's there with savage and he's like immediately like behind her okay i'll I'll go with this because i I, i'm gonna go and actually relate to this um, I was sexually harassed at a party. I was kissed by a coworker's husband, which is always fun. And I ca- was in this situation where you feel very nervous <sighs> and very creeped out, and you want to get away as much as you can. And even though they're maybe drunk or whatever, you just want to like flee. So it's kind of like a fight, flight, or f- response where you're just like no, I don't want to be in this space anymore. I don't need to be in this space. And for him to approach her that way is just to me so bad. So bad. And this is one of the reasons why I don't like this episode as much. No. Oh, um, yeah, but I am, yeah, um, Mary just dropped out. She'll be right back. Um, but um, no, I understand where you're coming from. I've experienced something similar. And it is a very uncomfortable moment because even, and even though this, they're intending, they they're wanting to play the card that sat. They want to play the card that hey, Savage doesn't know that I'm awake and I have my powers. She, Kendra, is still. It still feels like a very. I'm very concerned for Kendra in this scene, and mm-hmm. all scenes are Savage because this is a man who has tormented her. No, that he's likely done. He's likely done this before. He's probably done worse, honestly, that the show won't even go into. And she's just, she's going for it because she wants him dead. Honestly, the position Kendra is in right now with him approaching her this way is very dangerous. I'll go to my other story. I know, I have a two. It's bad. In high school, um, this kid backed me up and started filling me up. And to be backed up into a corner is also not the greatest experience ever in life. And so, like, if I was Kendra, I'd be worried to be uh, kind of backed up by Vandal in a place where I'm alone and nobody else is. And I wish they would have shown that more, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Because this is just this is not like a good position to be in at all and it's 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 a hard one it really is and again mm-hmm. i'm always around to talk i i don't really talk about the subject as much but i i've been getting better at it so and thank you for sharing those eden it's very powerful yeah. that you shared your experiences with us and i appreciate that um I, like you said the show they as much as we can joke about uh, Vandal Savage, Van Dilf, like he looks hot. Again, Casper Crump is hot. Vandal Savage is not. I don't think the show, like obviously they take Sav. I don't know if they understand the severity of Savage's obsession with Kendra. In a way, they never. 
like it, this is the episode where it shows that it, he's assaulting her and it, assault is never about like any sort of sexual desire it's about gaining power over another person and that's what he does throughout the series but especially in this episode yeah and in the comics if i'm correct savage and the hawks they never really had this kind of interaction right well they have or um, they or it's not sure it's not the weird ancient egyptian stuff um they kind of combined some backstories but uh, like Shaira and um, Carter Hall, they do reincarnate throughout time, uh, depending on which variation of Hawkman, Hawk Girl they're using. But since they reincarnate, Vandal Savage has met them throughout time, but it's not a linked. Thing. So he's like not obsessed with her. He's not obsessed with her. It's more like he calls them cockroaches in the comics. Okay, but it's not just that they just keep of... coming back. Okay. So... I kind of feel like this is kind of, okay, I'm going to use a Hannibal reference here. I'm sorry. (laughs) So I feel like it's a kind of a Buffalo Bill obsession somehow. I'm sorry for this reference, but yeah, that kind of is what it feels like a bit. It's not Buffalo Bill transphobia. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's not about that they have something that he wants. It's more, I think, I think Vandal and the Hawks' relationship in the comics is more like anyone in Chilton, which is like okay, this guy just fair. keeps oh. coming back no matter what we do. And it, you, what it, it's, is it the Always Sunny where it's the meme of I've had enough of this dude? That's Yes, that's, that's what I think it is. And so it's more of just an obsession that He's immortal and they reincarnate and they just keep butting heads. It's not that their reincarnation directly affects him in the comics like it does here. Yeah, and um and that and they decide they want to utilize that obsession because they end up finding that um Savage has the almond dagger in his possession. Ray goes and steals this to give to Kendra, and she arranges a meeting with him. To kill him, and this is where it gets where that where that gamble is finally proven too risky. Mm-hmm. I will say just um, another quick piece of directing that I really enjoy in this episode is when Ray sneaks into his little man cave, which once again is a metal door in a random fifties house. That's suspicious, but I like this directing because it kind of reminds me if you've ever seen Rear Window. Yes. Uh, it's very similar to Rear Window yes! with, Kendra, with yes, the binoculars. It's correct. a great piece of directing. I really enjoy that scene. I would recommend it. My question is, again, if anybody can answer this, why can't Ray shrink to go into the lock and just open the lock? I need to know this. I need to I, know. I thought, you were gonna, I thought you were going to say, why can't he shrink? And go inside of Vandal Savage. <laughs> well, but if we even pull a Thanos asshole. Well, actually, no, actually, Ray was not that was Ray, that was, Ray wasn't at that time yet. He gets to that time eventually, though. <laughs> yeah, so um when Ken and I again, once again, this is the Sarah Sierra Rene apology section. Once again, again, we know you're not listening. Because you are you don't care about legends and more power to you. Kendra is beautiful in this episode. 
she's always beautiful, first of all. But the, they literally put her in a dress for objectification. Yeah, you're not. And wrong. I know the male gaze is a thing, and we all suffer under the male gaze. I, we all know the Atwood quote, whatever. But it feels it's weird because she's being sent in as like a quote unquote honeypot. But it's gross. He all yeah, and like he kisses her without consent. In the- yeah, <sighs> yeah, that's why I was relating it yeah. to that story. Yeah, and and honestly, before this, it's kind of like there's the Ray also Kendra thing. So sometimes he's also getting a little ownerish over Kendra, which I don't like either. Cause it's like, look, you're not even dating her at this point. You're only discussing it. You're it, there's so many things. They didn't even mention the wife. <laughs> they kiss. We see the wife once. <laughs> yeah. We- it says her name is Gail Knox, which she does say her name. We have never seen this. Again, she should have been a bird monster. Yes. That would have been fun. But, or like in, again, take a shot when it's other DC media. It should have been like that episode of Batman animated series where Poison Ivy grew her own husband and kids yes, out of plants. Yes, I remember that. That would have been great. That was such a good episode. So wait, you're seeing like a, a, a lady Vandal Savage clone? Somehow Vandal Savage. <laughs> has returned <laughs> that, was, but, that could have been season like, eight <laughs> okay so that is actually another oh, problem a little bit in this episode is the misogyny part yay and i i want to say this and this is we're going to talk about this with jacks in just a few minutes it's again your episode with two characters of color that are the only people of color in this episode they suffer the most mm-hmm. in this episode more than any other character. And I don't, there isn't like a nice way to put this. I don't mean it as just the racist abuse or the misogyny or any of the other um, like abuse suffers is that we'll talk about how Jack suffers, but Kendra is slapped around this room. She is shoved yeah. into a table. It is it's not like it's brutal. It's it not like brutal. when Sarah has a fight scene, like later in this episode when she leaps over that counter and it's really cool and she's kicking butt, or even like when Sarah is losing a fight. It's just, it's just a man hurting a woman that he can't have. Yeah, and it's been, it makes me think back to Sarah's other fight scenes that she has in previous episodes, and even throughout the show, we never see Sarah Lance treated in this fashion, really. And the most she's ever got, the most she's ever happened is she's gotten a life force on near, nearly drained. We don't see her get treated this way. Heck, even in progeny, all we see is she has a knife held to her throat. And that's the extent. Yeah, we're, and we're not saying this as, well, Sarah should have lost more fights. We're saying that it's very unfortunate that our only main um the only woman of color that has a major role in this season i think yeah she is Uh, that she her character is truly there we've made the joke to get passed around by all the men but it really is just kendra's role to take what's put upon her and i think that's really unfortunate and a failing of season one 
for all that yeah. we like about season one that's a failing and again she literally just lost carter she's being creeped on and then like now ray's getting very jealous about the situation so kendra's really not winning in this episode at all because she's also dealing with a jealous man she's not dating she's not dating him at this point and also like savage specifically says like you thought i wouldn't know that your powers have awakened i thought but once her powers awakened then she could do more like we saw her hawk out in white knights when she claws that guy's face off that would have been so good to see in this episode like she might she would still lose the fight because for story purposes we have how many eight more episodes to go yeah yeah or they were the halfway mark in the series it's just a scene that's there so that Ray can then burst in and be the brave Sir Raymond of the Palms. Yep, as as I as hor- as you know, as badly represented as it is, um, it is kind of fun to see Savage get comically blasted out a window like that's that. Right. That is that fu- that's funny, yes, but the overall implications that it's a man coming to save her, and the reason there and after when the re and as the reason they're also there is to save another member of their team. And it's once again that Kendra is the living MacGuffin of this show uh-huh. and not really a character. I, I will say earlier in the episode or like five minutes before this awful scene, it is funny when they sneak um, Ray in. It's like, doctor, I think my, I'm hearing voices. My wife's talking to another man. And it's like, you should trust your wife. <laughs> I thought that little leverage moment, it reminds me of that leverage episode when they sneak into the AA um, Yes, yes. I love that episode. Oh, yeah. that, and then we have Rip coming in as the orderly. That's a good scene. But now, oh, God. Yeah, I, and again, we get to see his <laughs> American accent, which is great. So he, he, Rip doesn't really have that much to do in this episode, but he he's wheeling Ray around and mm-hmm. then we're going, yeah. So that is happening while Jax is still going with Betty and his storyline. Before we get into the mess that is the Jax storyline, I'm going to say two positives. One, Franz, Franz, excellent in this episode. Oh yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. This is remembered yeah, as a asshole. Yeah, this is remembered as a Sarah episode, and while like I don't disagree because that storyline with the nurse is one of the most famous Sarah scenes for a while for a reason. Jax with the awful material that he gets in this episode is good. My second thing that I like to note is first of all when Jax comes out in his outfit and he looks so good he does uh, uh ray says oh you go into uh, enchantment under the sea which is the prom theme and back to the future yes i love that it does look like um marty's dad's suit it does but also it really does Jax calls one of the bullies biff yep. which is yeah. funny we oh. get him later do we know what year that uh back to future was supposed to take place would be interesting it's 55 i believe okay so so it works out it, this yeah is a it does good work episode out to because i'm have that yeah. i'm pretty sure back to the future is hold on let me check i'm pretty sure back to the future is 85 and then they go back 30 years mm-hmm. 
We're doing our research. It is like 1985. Okay. Cool. 1985. Yay. I was right. <laughs> now so, I have that song stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. So then let's talk. So Jax, he's going. Well, okay. First of all, Rip says, "Hey, Jax, you as a young black man should be careful with a young white woman." Which also, Rip, you know this. Yeah, but Why I don't get this. This. This is putting Jax in literal unnecessary danger. This isn't cartoony. Yeah. Russians with guns. This is serious. At the same time, it's also like we we can't you can't he can't he can't police Jax on his actions of what to do. He can't he's he can't really tell him what to do, but at the same time, it is a time period. And I guess the fact that he's warning Jax, but at the same time, he's also showing his he he does let Jax go out on this. So we've run into our first problem of the Hawks attack Betty and then they get pulled over by a cop. Can I, sorry, not to back up. I don't know if we've even established it thus far, but like Uh the big plot twist in this episode with the missing teens is that Vandal Savage is, um, is that there's a bunch of Hawk monsters, which I guess we get to them a little bit later. But actually before the Hawks attack, Jax and Betty are talking in the car and the racist bullies break into their car. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, yeah, it, it, but also interesting in that kind of leading up to it is that um, she goes right over and she kisses him. And you know what? Fair. I don't blame her. I don't I'm blame her, but he, but, and, and he says, Girls from 1950. I didn't think girls from 1958 moved that fast. And I'm watching them thinking, Jax, there were people in Pompeii who were making lewd graffiti. No matter how old humanity is, we're always going to be a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Horny? Horny. Horny. He has that um, certain je ne sais quoi. <laughs> um, but Really, I mean, we just honestly, the thing about humanity is that yes, we're 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 not. It, no matter where you are in history, people are not always prim and proper. There's not one thing that going around like this. Some child made a stick. She was like, "I sewed this and I hated it." And we have to remember the 1950s. Like there was a lot of parking going on with teenagers. What were we thinking happened during those parking times? I mean, seriously. Yeah, but. As was mentioned, the two bullies from earlier who were trying to um, harass Jax at the diner are back, and they are and they start beating the crap out of him as Betty's ba- as Betty's begging him to stop. But out of nowhere, you have well, you have um, what looks like an extra from Greece flying in, <laughs> except with weird teeth you're not but they have weird teeth and wings so yeah because they've been mutated by vandal savage exposing them to that meteorite fun times and it's sad it's sad because he's keeping these three kids in a cage technically he's experimented on and then he he lets them out to go terrorize the town and then forces them back in it's lovely it's sick but it is vandal savage it is it is sick and i kind of wanted to bring this up this episode like i said has serious problems. But I do also feel that this episode, for all of its flaws, is when we first start getting like that Legends formula. 
mm-hmm. where it's we're back in time and then something weird happens, which they will perfect as perfect. They will get much better on as the seasons progress. But I I'm not saying if you strip away the issues with the racism and the sexism in this episode because we should never negate that. But at its core, the idea of this episode of perfect fifties town where there's a bunch of hawk creatures that come out at night, that's a Legends concept. And that's we've a fun the, idea. We've all seen the Twilight Zone. Maybe you had to read, a, and you hopefully in school, you have had to read an episode of the Twilight Zone or be exposed to it in some way. That's the vibe I kind of get sometimes with this, but also like those old um, horror movies like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, that's why I brought that's up kind of uh, the vibes I get there. Yeah, that's why I brought up the night of the comic because it was kind of like that. It's a very kind of cheesy horror film of the eighties, but it kind of hits on if that. The writers, if the writers watched that, that's the interesting question. I that heard a rumor this was like they based this title on Night of the Demon, which from what I could find are like okay. There's either, there's like the one from the 50s, Night of the Demon, where I think it's like generic spooky, like vampire-ish creatures. And then one from the 80s where it's like gore. The 80s. <laughs> it's like some sort of splatter punk, not splatter punk, but it's like a... Slasher? What, no, it's like an explicit gore movie where there's a Bigfoot that's killing people. There's a part where Bigfoot rips a guy's dick off. I I don't think the Legends writers watched that for inspiration, but I felt like that was important for you all to know. That's the last bit of fun we can have because then we get into the worst Serious part crap. of the episode. So This is literally the worst part. Do we have any other funny parts that we want no, to? No, because we no, right it's after... It's, it's stop, it's stop, it's, it's, there's no more fun. Yeah, because right that after happens. their attack, yeah. Betty's is like literally bleeding to death in the car and he's trying to drive her to hospital when the cop pulls her over. And yeah, he knows how it looks. Yeah, she says, oh, there's a cop. Like, we got to pull over. And Jack says, I'm a black man with a white woman bleeding in my car. Which I appreciate he knew this because, again, we're in a era where George Floyd happened. Everything was going on with BLM. So, yeah, that is pretty on key of still what's going on today. Yeah, but it's, yeah, all the, yeah. Um, and we kind of see, we see the sheriff from earlier. Um, we see that he's very, he's not bothering to really do anything. Um, he's instead intent on harassing Jax, even though Jax insists, and he didn't even have to do this. Jax tells him, hey, there's two guys out there who need medical attention. Go help them. I'm getting her to the hospital. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to tell him that. But that just is a testament of Jax's character. And he is, and I guess I do feel like he is held to be the standard to see the good and help with others. But it, but he can't help because the cop just smacks him over the head, drags him away, leaves the bleeding white woman. No doubt later on, if, if things had gone differently, this man would have pulled a frame job on him. And it just... God, making that thing about it makes me sick. 
And the sad part is this is such a reality though. We've seen so many um, men of color, women of color blamed for crimes and so, and often and many and there's evidence that will later come out and say, oh, didn't happen. I want to say specifically, there has historically been a pattern of young black men being murdered for perceived assaults against white women. Whether these were um, these could have been these were just accusations. These were events that didn't happen. They were made up sometimes even by the woman herself in order to avoid whatever punishment she might be facing for something. But I think specifically that's the skin. There's a lot of skin crawling parts in this episode, but just it may, because again, Jax points that out that as a black man with a white woman hurt in his car, he is in serious danger in this town. I will recall the one thing that, in my when when I was growing up was the Central Park poor. Oh yes, I to no point. Yeah, that is the one thing that goes in my mind with what you're saying was that whole story and how it turned out. It wasn't them at all. Yeah. Um. Again, not to call back to timeless, but also to call back to timeless. Rufus Carlin was right. Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. So again. But when we have Jax mention that, when we have our characters of color mention, hey, we will face racism, not only do they not um, have any other people of color in that community to relate to or speak to or get their perspective, we don't see that support from the white members of the team No, that we will see in some later episodes. And again, we're not saying Legends has ever gotten this perfect. And once again, as three white women, we've done our research for this episode and we're approaching this the best that we can. So if we get anything wrong again, please let us know or offer us your perspective. Yes. We really appreciate it. But like we have mentioned, hey, you know, it's bad for like he said, you know, you're in trouble as a young black man taking a young white girl on a date. But that's all he says, and it's no, I, I, I don't know. It just feels like acknowledging that there was racism of the past is a step, but there is no attempt to speak towards that kind of uh, behavior. Progress. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, um, a moment that stood out to me is that you have is that this is that Betty is discovered by Rip and Leonard and Leonard is the one who it said that Leonard is the one who coerced Rip to go and check on him because mm-hmm. and, I, and I do like that they include that especially um because Leonard Miller is biracial mm-hmm. yes it's a very it's just it's I feel like it's a very subtle hint kind of yeah. in the direction that Len is not 100% white yeah that, that's a good thing just to uh, to mention is that uh, Wentworth Miller is biracial. So, but then, so once Jax is taken by the sheriff, it's not even that the racist sheriff is just racist. Is that it's he's the worst? Is that he takes him back to the facility where um, Savage works and does his experimentation? And this is when there's the potential. 
like Vandal Savage is a mad scientist is a fun concept in theory. And I feel like in another episode, this could have, like, I don't mean with this context, but he essentially tells Jax what we've alluded to earlier is that he has been injecting the, uh, it's an nth metal meteorite. Um, he is using and taking that um, material and injecting it into people for experiments, Eden. Which brings into a whole new historical problem of the Tuskegee experiments where they purposely injected men with syphilis and they didn't have syphilis. And once they found the cure of it, didn't offer it to them. Specifically men of color. Yes, specifically men of color. Specifically Mm -hmm. in America. And um, yeah, that brings up a whole new issue of why that should have never been done in this episode. Yeah, and I also kind of, it's, it's not so much medical experimentation, but also just bringing up the case of Henrietta Lacks, who, if you do not know this, is her DNA, she is how we learn what a DNA strand actually looks yes. like. Um, also, for that, she, her, she, this was, she had this take, she had cervical cancer, I believe. Um, it was taken without her consent. Her family did not receive any kind of acknowledgement or, or anything from that. It was labeled HeLa and just, sent off and yeah another use of, and it's just we really don't pay attention to history and science enough in my opinion and how how much when you look if you were to look at um if I if you look at your high school if you look at a high school science textbook how many scientists listed in there are white men it's something to consider and you have to think of what those experiments and who was marginalized because of that. Okay, and uh, we'll really, I'll mention this as the number one thing we found a lot of stuff from, which I hate, is Dr. Mangala during the Holocaust mm-hmm. because he did yes. a whole mm-hmm. bunch of experimentation on twins, on um, disabled people. He did. Uh, just to quickly um, piggyback of what you said, I, I do want to make this clear. I, I, I've done research on this um, in some history classes. It's important to note that a Nazi science, they, we didn't gain anything from the Nazis. We should never um, forget that their science has been used to quote unquote, like um, prove people's racism mm-hmm. at points or to su- support their racism is what I um, wanted to say is that science has been used by racists in the past for their gotta love biology yeah and so I I know it might sound like we're reading a lot into this but I think especially in an episode like this where it takes a lot of elements of the horror genre and horror is often used um, whatever is popular in the horror genre at the time is often telling of a country's biggest fears at that time Mm -hmm. and so I think like with the 60s and the 50s, you get a lot of invasion body snatchers of this idea of people's idea of fear and who's your neighbor and what do people really believe. And just to kind of tie this back to the episode, I, I think that's why using Jax, when Andal Savage experiments on Jax, and we have to watch, we have to watch him injected with this needle. It's like when the boys uh when the young white teens are injected with it 
you would think there would be a metaphor for the racism. Uh, we're never shown that those boys are racist uh, as of the time people held racist beliefs. We're, um, it's always like the ugliness inside is where I think that horror metaphor could go. And then to do it to Jax, it just feels wrong. Yeah, you're, no. Yeah, because, yeah. And Savage later reveals in Kendra when they're all kind of ready to the asylum to go see if Jax is there. They, um, it kind, it does kind of come up because Savage says, oh, I wanted to make an army. And he calls the, and it's just, he's looking, he thought the meteorite would be just like what he had found. And instead he refers to it as like being less than perfect. And it's just, for the sake of a human experimentation, it's disgusting. No, human experimentation is never mm-hmm. okay. And this is, it's, it's horrific. There's absolutely no consent at all. It's hideous and it's disgusting in this episode. And I, and that is the point of it. And I, and that's the point of it. And it just real, and it's just, I'm sorry. It just makes me, my skin crawl thinking about it. No, completely. I think I, what I just wanted to touch on what you said when he's telling Kendra, like, I wanted to make an army of you, which just makes it that much more horrific. Again, he's, Kendra, we joked that she is the living MacGuffin of this show, but she is. She's not allowed to be a fully realized character because she is the living plot device to kill Savage. Well, if we don't go over the history of what, what we're talking about, it's like we don't learn from it anyway. So it's a good mm-hmm. thing that we did get into this conversation, even if I was wrong about a couple of things or we've been wrong about a couple of things. It's always a good to talk about the subject because if we don't know the history, we're always doomed to repeat it. So it's it's always good to talk about things of the past and even with mm-hmm. TV genres, how it affects a certain series with experimentation, whatever it is. I mean, it's never wrong to look back into things that happened that shouldn't have. At the end of this episode, once we save Jax, it's important to note that Snart very deliberately doesn't makes the choice to not injure Jax. Or, well, to not kill Jax, as everyone has on the brain that he's already killed Len. Or uh, killed Mick. <laughs> he ain't dead yet! Not done. <laughs> oh, no. But, again, that's that little moment of Len doing something heroic, and Stein even calls it that. Yeah, I do want to say that um, Len doesn't want to do it. He does not want to shoot other member team which has shown that he has grown to care martin sign even mentions later on that he has demonstrated some heroic actions but also what but then i noticed that um jacks while in this her is well in this um mutated form he slashes leonard's arm mm-hmm. and for the first time ever i realized when jacks goes at the end to thank leonard for hate thank you for not killing me Leonard is holding that arm. Oh, yeah. When I first episode, so saw the episode, I thought, okay, he's just like, make, he's trying to like be quiet, but I was, no, he's holding his arm because he got clawed. Interesting enough, we know that Gideon can fix this, right? So maybe he kept it as kind of a punishment for what he did to Mick in a way. Yeah. Is, is that the same arm 
that we later lose. Oh God, it might be. Um, no, it's, no, 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 it's oh. the other arm. It's the other arm. <laughs> oh. I remember. Oh. I, listen, I remember that regeneration scene way too well. Mm-hmm. But we bring Jax back with our compound. It, it's all wrapped up very quickly. I think the ending is pretty rushed. It's yeah, like five, five minutes after they knock Jax out, we have um hit we have him getting that genome therapy to return him and the other boys to normal. We have Sarah saying goodbye to Lindsay, and it's implied that Lindsay is going to stay in the town because she says you'll know where to find me. Jax soups up Betty's car, and she, he tells her and Tommy to get out of there. Side note: I always thought it'd be kind of fun, and if they had um reunited somehow in the future like give me old lady betty who yeah that would have been fun cool. and so that would have been I, fun that was or old lady Lindsay. yeah i i was gonna like to agree with you first of all quick very little doom pun patrol, that i though. very doom patrol <laughs> um, i did think it's nice and punny that the car betty gets is a thunderbird <laughs> well, um that is nice and punny nice but, but again this is again when we mention the failings in this episode in terms of discussing social climates. Jax, a young black man, tells the young white couple, you two should get out of here. Like, the future's going to be better. And he's not wrong. And he, like, obviously these two kids went through something traumatizing. But again, it's in town where there are no, we're not joking when I reemphasize this, there are no other people of color in this town. It's, and for Jax to be the one to give the message, I, it makes sense narrative wise, but again, it doesn't fit. It kind of falls flat when it's like, you know what would happen. It's that 2015 optimism, baby. It is. And we never mentioned, which I, I find a fun part is like, we have actually Martin and Leonard talk about because he's, I think he can't feel Jax at a point while this was all going yes. on. Yes. And he, he mentions having a partner and he goes, I have, it was kind of like Leonard saying, I had that once and I kind of just, you know, abandoned him or killed them or whatever I did. Well, when they're looking for Jax uh, in the facility and Martin says, it's weird, like Jax and I have a partnership and I, I can't ax- I can't feel him right now. And it feels like he's abandoned me or I've abandoned him. And Len goes, yeah, I know that feeling. Len does say like, when uh, Jax says, just for, again, we have to quote our snartisms because we only get so many. Um, when Jack's oh, like, yeah, thank you for saving me. Like, you didn't kill me. And Glenn just says, stop. I'm getting misty-eyed. I love him. I, I mean, I'll sit for him ever, anytime. Wentworth Miller delivers in I mean, season one. Yeah, Franz too. Franz. I mean, this ha- couldn't have been an easy episode for him. And he's just so good in it. So let's get to this episode cliffhanger which was a good setup at the time. Uh, it's Rip, Stein, Jax, and Len on the ship. And then, oh no, something's attacking the ship, and it's our good buddy, Kronos. It wasn't He's Boba Fett. Fat. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. 
Uh, happy, Star- like, happy Star Wars Day! Hey. Um, and he gets on board the ship. Yeah, right. It's like uh, Rip says, "Yo, we gotta go shut the starboard door," and Kronos just walks in. And he's like, "I'm already ah! here, but I'm already here. You can't get rid of me." So and, yeah, there's it's a shootout in the bridge. Firestorm can't merge because they'll because science sure oh will blow something up. And so then they have to take off and leave to get away from Kronos, but there's a problem. Oh no. Sarah, Ray, and Kendra have been left behind in 1958. <gasps> we left Sarah, Ray, and Kendra. Did anybody check the back seat? If Kronos hadn't been there, it's just them all sitting in their little chairs. I feel like we're forgetting something. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. um, so I kind of liked that Sarah's last line in this episode is <laughs> Ray's like, where are they going? <laughs> and but Sarah says, why did they leave us? I feel like that's a very it feels right that it's Sarah that says that. Yeah. yeah. Especially what happens in the next episode with her. Oh it, it's very apropos. So, so next uh we, we can talk about next week later. So where do we stand? Is there any other random bits from our notes that we wanted to touch on any of the lighter moments or any non-light moments i wish there was a more light moments um didn't you say didn't you ha- didn't you say you knew who the lady who you want to tell everyone who the lady with the champagne was yes i believe Remember? um snooty racist champagne lady was i think snooty racist champagne get me champagne lady parts and once upon a time Oh, interesting. she is the realtor. Oh, I mean, I just wanted to mention that Vandal Savage apparently has golf pants. I don't know why that's in my notes, but I thought it was important. Maybe he was golfing with Stalin. Oh, there's appearance by in Russia. There's appearance for guest star Lara Menlin as she was previously seen in a film adaptation of Watchmen. That's interesting. Yeah, but I didn't see that on her IMDb. Well, the, hmm. this is Arrowverse wiki. This yeah. is what the writers go by whenever they forget something. That's so maybe true. we believe them. Hey-o. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's do episode rankings. Who would like to rank this episode first? Oh, I'm going to oh, go. Can no. oh. <laughs> we go? Yes. Yeah, you go. Um, I'm going to say, listen, I'm so sorry. Um. I rank this as one of my least favorite episodes. This is below Star City 2046. I'm sorry. I actually enjoyed Star City a little more than this episode. I will tie it because I hate them both equally. So yay for me. But I, yeah, I, this is not up there for me. It's just so many issues. And I get like people do have the nostalgia because this is the first mm-hmm. episode you feel like this is Legends of Tomorrow and what it could be. But there's just too many issues for me to overcome that. Personally, I said uh, I watched this like kind of like a formative time in my life. So I have very fond memories of like this episode and this season as a whole and like I said that Sarah and Lindsay scenes they meant a lot so I think 
if I was rating purely on nostalgia, this would be ranked higher, but taking it all into consideration, it's so Star City 2046 is at the bottom for me. Then it's pilot part one, then it's this episode. And I again, yeah. Pilot part one doesn't do it for me. I think it's a lot of exposition. It's very boring. I, it doesn't have, I mean, obviously. This one has lots of issues. I'm just going kind of overall, There's but it no is not fight in this one. That's exactly. <laughs> so. And honestly, again, one of the probably the better storylines in this was the whole Sarah or Lindsay thing. If we're That's, honest, there is oh, there was one other moment we didn't mention, but just when it's time to go and speak to that young lady and blah, 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 gather some information. Jack says, why can't you ever just say, hey, Jax, go talk to her. Hey, Jax, why don't you do yes. that? Do, do, do. I know, That's I right. love his voice during that. Hey, Jax. Victor Garber, you goddamn gem. I, I kind of am right. curious how Victor Garber felt filming this again as a gay man. Um, also Wentworth Miller. <laughs> and seeing like the story of Sarah and Lizzie kind of happen, I-, I would like be curious to just ask some mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. Well, this was, I think this is a great episode and that we've talked about a lot of things. We, Like I said, we've tried and put a lot of our research into this episode. So we wanted to do these serious themes justice and mm-hmm. uh, make sure that we get our points across. So now as kind of a reward for getting through all that, uh, we're, we have treat. <laughs> it's a little game that we have devised called Bone Hold Thumbs With send to hell which is our <laughs> version of fuck Mary kill so your three hosts we have all selected three random characters from legends across any legend season and we're gonna play this little game we have not shared who we have for our um choices so our hosts are gonna go ahead and introduce them uh to us so who would like to offer their Three choices first. Uh, Gary, Bishop, and DJ S'mores. Oh my god. Oh, easy. Lay it out. Lay it out, because I was like... I I would um, bone Bishop absolutely 100% dream man. That's an exaggeration, because he is the worst However, um, hello, clone me any day. We're talking Vandal Savage, me. Uh, she said Bishop. I said Bishop. I know, but regarding earlier in this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, Vandal Savage means commitment. Bishop is fine. You, he can just make a clone <laughs> of me and then he can stay there. What happens? To uh, you so, then? Bone Bishop, I don't, I, then I can find an Ava. There you go. There. And then uh, hold thumbs with Gary. Aw. We love Gary. He's so sweet. Um, He can be like overbearing and a bit much, but so can I. 
And I feel like we'd had fun geeking out together. And then I'm going to send DJ s'mores money to hell. How do you dump? Sorry, Tarazi. <laughs> you are a fool. Uh-huh. I can't be with a man that's dumb. That's why I'm boning Bishop. Uh, all right. Well, um, my round of this, and because Mary and I literally share a brain cell, it's not even funny how often we share the brain cell. I too will be boning Bishop because have you seen that man? Listen, I may, um, is, has my taste and personality been the best of the men I sit for? No. And I will openly admit that. I, both of these hosts can call me out one more than the other um, but listen I think I think he'd be a fun ride in the sack um uh Mary I would oh, oh yeah sorry. hold thumbs with Gary <laughs> you, thumbs with you wouldn't Gary. hold thumbs with me I hold Aww. thumbs I hold thumbs with you any day bitch this podcast is over <laughs> I will hold thumbs with Gary. Anyway, continue. Because um, I would, I, I just like to hold thumbs with him. Although I'm just going to, although I would listen, although it was someone else, I might have been down to bone Gary because that could be a very interesting experience. And uh, yeah, send DJ Swords oh, money right. to HG Double Hockey Sticks because, yeah, you he does, he just seems like a white D-bag. Yeah. We didn't mention that Gary uh, you were gonna... is a very romantic alien, so he'd be perfect. I, I thought when you were going to say, like, that. yeah, I don't want to hold thumbs with Bishop because that's commitment. That is He's just going to keep printing himself out. It's true. Until, like, I'm not useful anymore. I mean, does that mean that I get new copies of me printed out? He's, that he, also he, sounds uh... like hell. Listen, listen, he's got the good Django juice. Do, do I go with my own question here? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I will not bone anybody because I'm ace, so I. I mean, I am too. <laughs> but, but if I had to, um, yeah, Bishop, because it's Bishop. And have you seen how that man dressed through? I would, I would just like, again. Have you seen him dance? I mean, him getting undressed in that episode was great. <sighs> or getting dressed. Uh, of course, whole thumbs with Gary because again, he is a sweet and loving alien, and everything he said to Gideon in that one episode always makes me cry. So, yes, and then, uh, yes, and DJ Sports to hell because how do you say no to Dari Tarazi? And then he kind of screwed her over during that whole uh x-factor thing where he gave the Knox her song so yeah he, he deserves to go are we ready for mine <laughs> hit it all right so bone hold thumbs with send to hell astra uh the pilgrim of season one if you don't remember she's the one that kidnaps all the younger legends to murder the them all brunette. much like much like the terminator or or and Vostok. Oh, the femme fatale squad. Do, 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 do. I got it. Okay, okay go. I am. I am going to um, bone Astra because I feel like um, 
she's not ready there for the commitment just yet. I feel like we're not quite at that commitment stage of that marriage. I would marry Voss Sog and it's I would be, I'm gonna um <laughs> I, I would hold sorry, I would hold those with Voss Sog. Sorry, I would hold those with Voss Sog because I feel like it would be a power marriage. Um it might end in a suspicious death, but you know what? I'll do anything for my wife. <laughs> and um, I'm sorry, I have to send the pilgrim to hell because I can't, for, she's just, I don't feel like I trust her. Like if I get in a fight with her, what if she goes back and erases me for the timeline? What if she goes and she kills my mother? What, question for you. So you, you would hold thumbs with Vostok. Yes. So if she went to you and said, Pretend I have a Russian accent. Have you ever merged with a woman before? And she was like, are you going to go into this nuclear chamber with me? Would are you, you going to make me rethink my whole damn opinions now? Okay. I, I'm going to say, I, I feel like that's commitment. Do you love her that much? Oh, I feel like okay. Listen. Listen, no, you love. can only go through your first answer. You can damn only it. answer this one. Sorry. No take back. Fine. Ah, would you this, you listen? This listen. We've done it. You and I have done this before with Tarkin. It would end the same way as it did with Tarkin. Do you want to be the body or the brain? Have you seen this dragon bod? <laughs> but okay, moving on. Before I get wait, before we have to stick me out of the podcast, being way too much. Um. All right, Eden. Okay. I would have to say Bone Vostok because yeah okay I would I would do so but I would just not have a marriage with her because she's a little cray cray so no no she she would and she would go nuclear and ruin your house so no I would hold thumbs with Asher. She's totally ready. I saw her with Bard. She was sweet with Bard. It's fine. I would hold thumbs with her. She's ready. She's awesome. She's going to be the next president of the U.S. I could be her first lady. It's all good. True. And of course, like, throw Pilgrim in hell because she wants to murder children. And that's just not a turn on for me. That's good to know. All right. I have to answer my own question question right yes uh so i would uh bone vostok for all the same reasons um we can go see the ballet and then hang after i i'm down with that i I just feel like it's a real quick thing if we stay any longer i might be experimented on not really into that Uh, i i would um hold thumbs with astra even if she was still the Astra from the end of season four, season early season five, because you know what? I'm not a coward. Unlike my other hosts, I would be happy to support her ruling hell. I'm Honestly, happy. To- she should have killed John. I, I, feel I support like she- this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn it. I've made a mistake. <laughs> um, and then uh, again, we're going to have to throw the pilgrim in hell because she stole baby Lynn. That's true. She did steal baby Lynn and he was cute. She stole baby Lisa from the timeline. You, you and are not wrong. I can't, I can't, you, that is unforgivable. 
even if and is she still baby Len, even though he was gorgeous in his little plick, like it and the cutest baby ever. Oh, oh I already no. did. Okay, it's my turn. <laughs> I can't read. It's my it's my turn to be the AI. <laughs> I don't know where that actually I don't know why I brought that one up. That's not I'm not allowed to make jokes on here anymore, am I? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um you have a curse list? Um I do have a curse list, in fact. Are we ready? Let's end on something crazy. Yeah. All right. Let's end on something very cursed. All right. So. Oh, Lord. My. All right. Here we go. Bone. Hold thumbs with or send to hell. Mollus. Neuron. Or Kayla. God. This is cursed. (laughs) (laughs) Listen. (laughs) All right. Um, uh, all right. Um, here we go. Rapid fire. Bone, malice, uh, hold thumbs with, Neron, and uh, send to hell, Kayla. Um, I actually have to agree because malice does have John Noble's voice. I wasn't going to explain. <laughs> I'm going to let it sit. Jury demands an explanation. John Noble. Uh, is Neuron Neuron? He was good looking in either body, so fine. I Neuron is a steady partner. Yeah, exactly. Look, he was with the fairy godmother for a very long time, so he's very dependable. And who was the third one? I forget. Kayla. 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 I will throw her to hell because we know she was abusive to Gary. We still haven't got any answers to this. And he was scared every time she was in the room. I need answers. That's all I say, writers. Answers. Yeah. 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 I like that we don't have an explanation for why we would bone malice. I... No, we had an ex. Um, listen. Um, okay, it. I'm okay. Oh um, wait, you're right. I go, okay, so also it's listen. Mollus has horns. We've all seen Lucifer. Let's love him. That's more. true. Um, <laughs> Mal- what so- is malice but devil Lucifer and worse CG? Oh my god! You are yes! not wrong. You're you not, not wrong. You- oh, okay. We cracked it. End of podcast. Everyone go. Everyone go home. But yeah, no. Um. Mollus, uh, Neron, you know what? Um, that might, you know what? You're right. He's he's good for commitment, and you know he he'd do anything to get you back. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Kayla, I do not have the highest opinion of Kayla. I'm sorry if you like Kayla. I do not care for her very I much. Bu- I bet you guys thought there are better have a female villains for Kayla because sorry, the actress better, is good looking. There is better female antagonist than Kayla. Mm-hmm. Kayla also she'd knock you up and then leave you and it's true I want you commitment Kayla doesn't use I, protection I, I, I want I child that. support <laughs> don't ever talk to me or my 49 sons ever <laughs> and on that note wait what about timeline check Oh wait, timeline check. Do 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 timeline check. Fifty-eight. So this is the furthest back we've been. Well, the second furthest back. 
because before that we were in Egypt. Yeah, but Egypt doesn't really count. I mean, it does, <laughs> but Egypt's not real. Okay, that's not what I meant. Didn't um, go to Egypt. The legends didn't go to Egypt, though. Oh wait, Rip, but Rip did. Rip right. went to yeah, Egypt, though. Okay, you're right. All right, the jury stands. <laughs> so yeah, 1958, Harmony Falls, Oregon. I think this is the farthest back we go outside of Egypt, apart from the Old West. Yes. For now. But next next week, we will be looking at the episode Left Behind. An episode I personally don't care for. <laughs> it's literally what it says the tin. Yeah. Where we will meet our, not our friend, our enemy, our acquaintance, Mr. Al Ghul. Um, Which I promised I'm trying to pronounce his name correctly and practicing. We, we will say his name correctly. And then Bill Gates is there? That's all I remember. Oh, and also, like, the. Why do I remember the Bill Gates thing and not the plot twist that <laughs> was in Levi? Are you kidding? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> Join us next week for more stupidity. And shenanigans. Um, yeah, thank you for being with the, us for this not a serious episode. But we thought it was important to touch on the important themes of this episode. So let's have our own fun. Next week should be um, just more shenanigans in general. But until then, I'm Mary. I'm Eden. And I'm Kate. You can reach us on we at Week Legends on Twitter or um, Legends of Next Week on Instagram. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. If you have ideas, if you want to even chime in on who you would phone, hold thumbs with, or send to help, let us know. And don't forget to pick up a and comic. Don't forget to pick up oh, a yeah. comic. Pick up a Legends comic, and also you can uh, email us at legends uh, legendsofnextweek at gmail.com. So if, again, if you want to send any submissions or questions or perspectives to us through there, we're happy to hear from you, and maybe we can have a mail day segment if we get enough mail. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you all. And why uh, we just said our goodbyes, so again, this is Mary Eden and Kate signing off. Catch you at some other week. Bye, guys. Bye.